There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right. I'm going to tell the man at the IRS, his old boy, hell, I've had enough of the way the big man rakes it in, the little man coughs it up. You know the IRS ain't gonna rest till they think they've got it all. Welcome to Rightly, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane Gregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Once in a while, we like to focus on a particular story and break it down. Since it was tax time recently, we pulled one from the archives that Lane is fond of. So today's topic, Lady Liberty. So um, she's going to go ahead and read this in a second, but I was curious, sort of the inspiration for the story, which I presumed was tax time. Yes? Yeah, John and I, John Pendergraft and I, um, he is a photographer we've had on podcast before and a wonderful storyteller. And we were covering drug court for a year. And I would pick him up at his house and right by the corner of his house was this Liberty tax. And so we kept seeing this young woman out there in this very hot looking blue gown and a Statue of Liberty crown, and we just kept wondering what her story was. So one day when we didn't have to go to court, we said, oh, let's just go chat her up and see what it's all about. And uh, we found out she had a pretty good story to tell. Okay, so we're going to have Lane read it. So here it is. And okay. of course, we'll include the link with the podcast. And I should say, this was one of those stories that we reported it in a day, and then we wrote it in a day. So it was a, like a very minimal amount of investment, but um, it was a really fun story to, to unravel. Okay, it's set in Gulfport, my hometown. Lady Liberty drops her daughter at daycare, then ducks into the save-a-lot for a two-liter bottle of Diet Coke. It's going to be hot today. She zips the soda into her backpack, hops on her electric scooter, and steers into a strip mall. At 9.55 a.m., inside a small office, she wriggles into her costume. The seafoam green crushed velvet robe slides over her black t-shirt and jeans. The long drape loops off her left shoulder, spills across her dusty sneakers. I'm heading out, she calls to her boss. It's ten days before tax day. Give me your tired, your poor, the real Statue of Liberty says. Patty McCaslin fits the description. As Lady Liberty, she earns $7.67 an hour, minimum wage, to lure drivers inside to have their taxes done. She breathes exhaust all day. Her eyes get tired from squinting in the sun. Her face hurts from smiling. Her arms ache from waving. Her feet throb. Sometimes people give Lady Liberty the finger. McCaslin, 35, has a husband, a daughter, a home, two jobs, no medical insurance, and a $6,000 tax bill she can't possibly pay. But when I'm out here in costume, she says, I feel like I'm making it, like we're going to make it. It's not easy symbolizing the American dream or achieving it. After tax day, she'll need another job. You see them on sidewalks everywhere. Since January, more than 10,000 Statues of Liberty have walked the streets from Alaska to Florida, according to Liberty Taxes' in-house magazine, Give Me Liberty. Some spin signs, some wave flags or blow bubbles, all aim to attract customers. 
We rely on that personal connection to bring people in, says Michelle Katoa, who runs the Gulfport franchise. For every two hours someone stands outside in costume, she says she gets at least one new client. Most people work as Lady Liberty for only a few days, but McCaslin's worn the costume all season, for two hours a day, Monday through Wednesday. She's the store's longest-serving waiver, Katawa says, and the happiest. As her shift begins, Lady Liberty dances along 22nd Avenue South, up and down the sidewalk, spinning her plastic hoop with her right hand. With her left, she waves at all the drivers. But she never wonders about them or their lives. That woman wearing a gray business suit in the black Escalade, the man drinking coffee in the paint-spluttered pickup, the old couple holding hands in their Buick, they all blur past her. McCaslin doesn't care that they have cars while she rides a scooter to work. She's thankful she gets paid to smile at people, that she has this second job to help pay her power bill. Sometimes, right there on the sidewalk, she prays, Thank you, God. She's always worked, mostly for minimum wage, at stores and fast food places around St. Petersburg. Publix, Blimpies, Steak and Shake. When she was 17, she started ringing up groceries. After she graduated from Boca Siga High, she took a second job as a cashier at McDonald's. She met a cute fry cook there named Jeff. They've been married for 14 years and have a four-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. The McCaslins have never been in any trouble, never declared bankruptcy, never sued anyone or been sued. They are, in almost every way, typical working people trying to get by. Jeff works in the cafeteria at Stetson University College of Law. The couple try to stagger their work schedule so one of them can be with Elizabeth. On Fridays, when they both get paid, McCaslin brings her to see her dad at work, and they splurge and buy tater tots. We live real simple. We don't eat out much. We don't even have a TV, McCaslin says. Her husband drives a 1991 Camry wagon. She rides her scooter and has never had a credit card. She doesn't drink or smoke. When I do go out, it's for karaoke, she says. At the Stinger Bar by her house, she drinks water and sings songs by the Judds. Buying that house was her dream. Last year, she and her husband cashed in their 401k and stock they'd earned at Publix to purchase a little yellow home off 49th Street. They paid cash for the foreclosed property, $30,000. But they didn't fully understand the implications of using the retirement money, so now they have the huge tax bill. I have no idea how we'll ever pay it off, McCaslin says. We also owe $15,000 in medical bills from when my daughter was born. She was a preemie. They want to have another child, but McCaslin says they're waiting until they have health insurance. When they can afford the $90 a week, his name will be Scotty Austin. Lady Liberty doesn't wear a watch. She stays outside smiling and waving until she needs a swig of Diet Coke or has to use the bathroom. Her shift is supposed to end at noon, but it's 12.20 before she walks back into the tax office. I'm sweating out there today, she tells her boss. She peels off the costume and hangs it on the back wall. You know, I'd like to see snow sometimes, she says. I've never seen snow. She's never been to New York, never seen the real Statue of Liberty. I'd like to do that sometime, too, she says. The statue for McCaslin represents freedom. Quote, being able to do whatever you want, having a house, and being an all-American family, and being able to work and pay your bills. She knows Lady Liberty carries a torch, but she'd never heard the words inscribed in the pedestal the ones about the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. At 12.25, she stuffs the half-empty soda bottle into her backpack and slides her sore arms through the straps. See you tomorrow, she calls to her boss. I've got to go get Elizabeth. She has only a few hours until she starts her other job as a cashier at Save-A-Lot. She could go home, rest on the couch, kick off her sneakers, but I don't want to waste this beautiful day, she says. 
so she takes her daughter to a playground. Let's swing, Mommy, Elizabeth calls, running ahead. McCaslin drops her bag on a picnic table and chases behind her daughter. When Elizabeth climbs into a swing, McCaslin gives her a slight push. In a few hours, she'll have to fill her assigned spot in aisle four at the Save-A-Lot. She cashiers there 20 to 30 hours a week, including most weekends, and seldom gets a day off from both jobs. When she finishes her shift tonight at 10, she'll ride her scooter home, grab her fishing pole, and head to the Gulfport Pier. Every trout she can catch is another dinner she doesn't have to pay for. McCaslin wants more for her daughter. New shoes, a baby brother. She wants her to be a Girl Scout and maybe a movie star. She watches Elizabeth sprint to the slide. She's real smart, too. Maybe she'll even go to college. I always wanted to go to college. Last fall, after moving into their new home, McCaslin took classes and passed the certified nursing assistant exam. She hopes to work at All Children's Hospital or in a nursing home. But without experience, she says, she hasn't been able to get hired. When tax day is passed and she can no longer be Lady Liberty, she plans to start searching for nursing jobs again, or maybe be a greeter at Walmart. They play for an hour, swings and slides, monkey bars, hide and seek. When Elizabeth gets hungry, McCaslin suggests a surprise. You want to go to McDonald's? It's lunchtime, and the lines at the fast food restaurant sneak out the door. McCaslin holds her daughter's hand and drops her heavy backpack on the floor. Inside is the black apron she'll tie on for her grocery job, the rest of her Diet Coke, a large print Bible she bought for $2 at a yard sale, and a stack of smile cards that she colors late at night. I give them to people who look down, she says. Smiles go miles, says the card. Pass me on. She also likes to hand out tiny slips of paper, like fortunes, each bearing a handwritten Bible verse. I get my joy from the Lord, she says, so I have to share it. When they get near the counter, a man with a gray goatee greets McCaslin. How you doing? He's a regular at her checkout stand at the grocery. I'm doing great, McCaslin beams. Another day in paradise. She bends down and picks up Elizabeth. And this is my little one, the one I work so hard for. Elizabeth hugs her neck and whispers, Can I have a happy meal? It costs $2.59. McCaslin orders the rest of their food on the dollar menu. Chicken nuggets and coffee, a small Coke, three chocolate chip cookies. The total is about what she made in an hour standing in the sun, smiling as Lady Liberty, the price of freedom. So I read this story, and I don't remember reading it when it came out, so I was rereading it here, or reading it now, and I, I was sad to me. It was kind of like, this is her life, but but it doesn't feel like you felt it was sad. It's not, And she certainly doesn't seem sad about her life. She was so happy with her life, and then, I mean... When we found about the part about Even the, the challenges, I mean, wow. The smile cards, John and I were like kicking each other in the back of the McDonald's. Like this woman, like everything she's put up with and having to deal with in her life is really difficult. And she's handing out smiles to other people. I just thought that was beautiful. And and I, I, I felt sorry for her at first. And I did stand out there with her for that whole shift and thought, what a crappy job this is to stand in, on the side of the road waving at people who give you the finger. But every time someone would wave at her, or smile at her. She just felt like she'd cracked the code, you know, and she, it brought her a lot of joy. And we, you know, I'm glad we got to hang out with her and her daughter because we were kind of done when her shift was done. Mm -hmm. And we said, what are you doing now? And she's like, oh, I have to go pick up Elizabeth. And John and I both said, oh, we want to meet Elizabeth. And we hadn't planned to spend the rest of the day with Elizabeth. But because we did, we got this wonderful, like, between her jobs scene. You know, it wasn't just about the job. It was like, here's what she's working for, you know. So when you approached her... 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Was she game? I mean, she's totally game for you to hang out with her and um, she got like you want to see who the Lady Liberty people are and all of that. Yeah, in fact, she'd recognized John and I because, we'd, like I said, we'd driven by there for several days and waved at her, and she knew we were like, oh, there were some of the friendly ones. Like at the same time every day on the way to court, we'd wave right. to her, and she's she's like, oh, I've seen you guys waving at me. You know, she was very um, she was very open about everything about her tax bill, her lack of insurance, her her lifestyle, whatever. She was she was all. All in, you know. Um, yeah, I was, I, you know, I was taking some notes while you were talking because I was like, like, so how did you vet a person like this? She doesn't, you did, I'll be clear, because you put some of that in there and um, and you included it to kind of show that that it's sort of an uneventful life. You're not going to be reading, she's not making headlines. Um, you know, you just did this stuff about the foreclosure and her 401k, which made me think, okay, they're not really savvy with their, you know, finances, right. which is now they've gotten themselves into bigger trouble. Um, so, Talk about that, like the choices you made and sort of how to, you know, what you what your research you did on this couple and, and their life and what to include and what not to include. I, th- I think we told her pretty early on, like, this is a t- story for tax day, so you need to ask about your taxes. And she was like, I, yeah, yeah, my taxes. And she right away opened up with that, showed us her tax filing, you know, like, so we knew that what she was saying was true. Um, we interviewed her husband, but he didn't really want to be part of the story. Um, so he, you know, he confirmed the financial situation and the lack of insurance and all that jazz. Um, and of course we had backgrounded her here, um, and saw she was completely clean. You know, um, I interviewed her, um, boss at McDonald's and at the save a lot. And, you know, so she just kind of confirming her shift and her work ethic and, you know, so we, we kind of poked around. the same vibe about her from everybody. Yeah. And I didn't include those people. It was just more for verification. Yeah. We know we've talked before about reserving judgment and trying not to make assumptions about people. And, um, you know, I, I'm curious how you chuck yourself. I mean, like how, you go into this and you're kind of like, obviously, you're an open book at first. You don't know what her story really is. And you're sort of going with the flow. But um, I, I mean, I, some of it is like and this sounds really patronizing, I guess, but it makes me feel like wanting to help her and save her. And, um, you know, like. All right, get your shit together. I mean, this, you know. I did feel like, why didn't someone tell this poor woman who working in a tax office part-time that she was going to get taxed and taking away her 401k? I know, like, I know. why didn't someone stop you, you know, or warn you, you know? But, um, no, I think the only thing I really felt judgy about was, oh, my God, are you, is she going to wash that costume? Because <laughs> it was, like, 98 degrees in the shade, and she's in this velvet costume, and clearly hot, and she goes and puts it on again every day. And then I realized she doesn't have a washing machine. Right. So... You know, when it's is she going to take either, right? Right, it's theirs. And it's when is she going to take the time to like go to a laundromat between her two jobs and her daughter? And you know, like, just it, it's. I, I love our job. We've talked many times about why we love our job, but I, I love that it, it keeps me so grounded to realize that, like, you know, one day I'm writing about somebody who's got all the money of God, and the next day I'm writing about a little girl who's like, it's a splurge to get tater tots and a happy meal, right. you know. And it was very cute. A lot of people stopped by that. Um, tax office and brought McDonald's gift cards for little Elizabeth after the story came out. Did they? So that was super fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it made me also wonder, like, you're there and it's like, um, 
you want to buy the kid a happy meal. You know, you kind of, how do you, that's a tough challenge. That's probably worth a whole podcast in and of itself, but the tough challenge of like, you could help this woman, right? I mean, you can help her a little bit you could. And even going to pick up her daughter on a scooter, I was like, oh, that's not safe. I could give him a ride. You know, part of me wanted to put him in my air-conditioned car and give him a ride because the little girl is like four years old precariously on the scooter riding the back streets of Gulfport, you know. And and that's hard. But I I guess my, not a gift, but what I was able to give her was people all of a sudden knew her story and did some of them did want to reach out to help, you know. And maybe one fewer person would give her the finger the next day and just wave. You know, as they drive by. So, um, can we like, let's talk of, about a few of the choices you made? So, you you clearly you researched the Statue of Liberty, so you could make some contrast and and why you chose what you did. Like, so you made her the tired and the poor, right? And then um, um, that asking her too whether she'd ever been to New York, whether she'd ever read. I mean, like, yeah, we we struggled with that because John was like, I bet she's never heard those words. And I said, well, I wonder if she would see herself in them. Yeah. If she knew them, so you know what I mean. So I Did think you we showed them. To yeah, her? I think we called it up on our phone and showed her, you know, what the words said. And um, you know, she she she'd not made that connection of being part of the <laughs> the poor huddled masses, you know. But but she did think about freedom and and what the Statue of Liberty meant to her. And did you talk think about? Uh, I noticed that you mentioned the drivers and you described the drivers. And I'm not even sure how you would have done it, but do you think about trying to get some of the drivers and what they think of this person? Or, I mean, is it just sort of implied that they probably don't think a lot about who that person is in that costume? Yeah, we tried to do that more from observation, you know, just watching them as they drove by. And and I'm the type of person who, and I know I made my kids do this too, like every time we're in traffic, we're looking at cars, trying to think what other people's stories are. And I thought, this is what she does for two, three hours a day. And that never occurred to her at all. Like she, she had no curiosity about the people who were going by at all. It was just, can she translate the sign spinning to one person in the door? You know, that was what she wanted to do for her boss. Uh, We were talking just before we got on the podcast about how you tried to elevate this story. So it becomes not just a story about this one individual. So, um, and you did, you, you got some data, you write to like put the contrast of like, this is one of, X number of Lady Liberties around the country, right? People and men, I guess, are yeah. seeing men dressed up as Lady Liberty too. Um, and then at one point, you actually talk about how she's typical working person, right? Which is, and it's interesting because I'm struck by like we really don't write about the working class that often, right? Especially when nothing really bad happens, right? You know, it's I, I feel like she's the face of a lot of people that we don't pay attention to in our community, and. I would have written about her if she'd had, you know, a DUI or a shoplifting charge on her. I would have. But I love the fact that she was so squeaky clean. And I had to keep pushing her, like, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun? I would never have asked her, like, are you going to go catch trout for dinner? Right. You know? But I, I said, well, you get off work at 10 o'clock. What are you going to do? She's like, oh, i got to go get dinner for the next day. And I was like, what? You work at a grocery store. You know? And I don't know anybody who fishes for their supper. You know? And it's she's she's my neighbor. She's three blocks away from me. And living this life within a three-mile square radius. You know, her world, her world's really small. And um, full of faith. Now, you didn't, you didn't beat it too, too heavy. You sort of made it more... Do you think and, about that consciously? Yeah, and that didn't come up till the end. It's almost like it's, it's part of the chronology of how that day unfolded because it wasn't until she unpacked her backpack, and I was like, why is her backpack so heavy? Well, she had this two-liter thing of Coke in there, which we'd seen her swigging from, but she's carrying this big, giant Bible, and, you know, who does that? And, you know, she's a young woman. And I equate that much more with older people, you know, who carry their Bible everywhere. And 
but she had that joy of like someone who's been saved. You know what I mean? That just kind of unbridled joy that that despite everything, she's happy. And that felt uh, it was good because it didn't feel like it. It felt like it underscored how, yeah, she's really the simple things. She she was going to take advantage of the moment with her daughter. She, which actually made me a lot of working people who are you know feel big important jobs don't get a chance to do so. Uh, yeah, and was, she wasn't preachy. You know, I think yeah. if she'd been preachy, I would have had to reflect that. But it was very it was a very quiet, private thing that then comes out in a little Bible verse here and there. What was her reaction to the story? Do you know? She was super happy that Elizabeth got some happy meals. Oh. She, and and I think that maybe one of the negative things was she hadn't really worried about her tax bill. And she said, now you got me really thinking about this, my debt that I'm in. Because she'd never had a credit card. She'd never had any debt. She'd always lived real hand to mouth. And I think not being able to pay the taxes was something she and her husband had accepted and moved on. And then by doing this, the story and her boss kind of being like, hey, you need to start. What do you mean they you had know. accepted and moved on? They weren't going to pay it? Well, they were going to pay it, but it wasn't weighing on them. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden having outsiders like poke at that, I think it made her feel like more urgency. Right. You know, she had every intention of paying it, but it wasn't like a conundrum that kept her up at night, you know? Yeah. Jeez, though, what a, I mean, so again, I came away feeling like sad, but you, you I mean, you did, you felt, you felt more... I felt like she was happy in, with what she had and what she was doing, and that was enough, you know? Her, for her, it was owning a house. No one in her family had ever owned a house. So never mind that it was a $30,000 foreclosure that needed lots of work and didn't have air conditioning. She had a house, you know? Right. And I, I I try to check my own uh, goals, you know, and say that that, that wasn't a, ever a question for me, but for so many people it is, you know? Yeah, perspective. Yeah, exactly. So we've talked about uh, this one last thing. So you, when you went and pitched her the story, um, what do you say? You just like, I saw her, I've seen you, we've driven by here. I said, I, I wonder every day about your story, like why you're out here doing this and what you get out of it. And can I spend tomorrow with you and figure that out? And she was, she didn't have a She thing. was down for it, yeah. I mean, I found myself for just a minute being jealous that she got to spend two hours with her daughter in the middle of the day because I couldn't, because my right. kids were in school. This was what, 10 seven years ago yeah. so yeah they were all still in school I never got to go to the playground for a couple hours in the middle of the day no I didn't have to work till 10 o'clock at night and then go catch fish either but there was a little bit of like oh there's something to this simple life you know do you feel a certain responsibility when it's somebody who is not a public official or I mean I presume that she's you know she's not going to be particularly savvy about dealing with a reporter so I mean do you worry about that when you're dealing with someone who hasn't dealt with reporters and like how much she's giving of herself and how much you you put in there? I think I think I check myself a little bit more just to remind her and say things like, "I'm going to put that in the story," you know, or "Can I write that down?" You know, and and just remind her that what, what I'm doing there. I don't do that with people who deal with the media a lot, right? But you'll be a little more cautious. Yeah, but I also knew there was nothing in the story that was going to make her look or feel bad. You know, I didn't have any dirt on her that I was right. Displaying you weren't going to surprise her with right. something. Okay. If you have a question for Lane about this story or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Thank you. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.